Welcome back to Five Minutes to Stand. We're going to tackle episode four, Are You Awake? I have been processing and preparing the best advice I can give you to allow you to see the best chances for success in standing for what God has called you to stand for. There are actually so many things going through my mind as to the areas that we actually need people to stand up for that it kind of overwhelms me. I was involved in helping promote an ordinance in our city to make abortion illegal, which I know I've touched on a little bit in previous episodes. I thought it was a pretty straightforward position to hold in a city filled with three Christian universities and so many churches that we hold a record at some point in history for having the most churches per capita in a city. I knew also how many churches had stood up for the pro-life movement through the years, so as I had been living in another country for a a few years, when we finally returned to the city and heard what had been happening, we were so excited to and fired up to participate in some kind of civic duty because God had been teaching me the way we impact our culture is by being engaged in our community and city first and then expand outward. I knew of so many people that I could approach to sign my petition that I was excited and eager. I knew so many others who went to church that I knew if we all came together, we would be able to gather what we needed and get this done. What I was not aware of was the quagmire that was called our community. It was where good things go to die, it seemed. I thought I understood the way it worked, but this gave me a front row seat to understanding the dynamic of the hierarchical pecking order that had been very well established in our city. And I was confronting it. I had been struggling and wrestling with how to honor those in authority with my church but finding myself very frustrated for years because it was like, unless I had the right idea of the things that I felt like God was calling to me, calling me to, I was not encouraged or promoted or allowed to promote the idea. Not to diminish that there were ideas that were acknowledged, but I quickly learned that there were certain lanes that the church wanted to stay in, and I typically found myself not in those lanes. I'm sure that... Well, hear me out. I'm not trying to be disparaging because actually my prayer is for um, redemption, renewal, and the hearts and minds of those who have been standing in opposition to make abortion illegal in our city. And I am believing for God to shift and make a change for His glory. It's something I am very passionate about, and thanks to the upbringing of my church of many years, I think it's a good example of how you struggle and find yourself in learning how to stand up and be the voice to those around you based on what his word says. We're not just talking about the way I feel, but I'm basing it on his biblical truth. Part of our struggle is in general is that leadership has said, follow us in this way and we will show you how to do it. While that seemed great at the time, I think, and I think hearts were in the right place. I do see how it's kind of also what's kept us paralyzed into moving and being an influence in our community because so many people never saw their leadership say, go ahead and do it. They didn't even know they had permission to. And honestly, until it was kind of really not viable for us in the place where we needed people to stand up. We're not all wired the same. We're not all wired to same the same fight. We all have different roles to play in the kingdom. We should always be supportive of each other as much as we can, but some will have to do legwork that others will not. One example I remember, or I think that fits here, is that I spent my first summer in college abroad in a country called Belarus. 
It was there God gave me the heart for the orphan, and I knew that it was my passion and desire to be able to rescue and provide a safe place for those who had been abandoned. I got married, started my own family, and throughout the whole time, I was always asking the Lord, where does this piece come in? Oddly enough, he said no. He said, don't pursue that. I even remember after having my fourth child that I knew my womb was done. It was good to go, and I did not feel the need to have any more children, Lord willing. But my heart and my arms were open. Our doors were open to our home. There was a Wednesday night meal that I we went to every week. And this particular late, uh, week, a lady had come with two two kids she was fostering. They were a set of twins and about eight months or so. And so I offered to help while we were eating dinner because, you know, one lady, two babies, she needed help. And as soon as I took that little boy, I was like, I will take him home today. I will take them both home. I don't care what the cost. I don't care what the price. Let me do it. Let me do it. Let me do it. I was ready to sign up. But God said, no. It was one of the hardest places to be in because so many people were saying, we need you to help. We need you for this. But the Lord told me no. So interestingly enough, within a week or so, I was talking to my dear friend and she mentioned that she was ready to step up and prepare their home for some foster kids. And I said, oh my gosh, I have the perfect, check these kids out. They may be a perfect fit. And they've been actually together ever since. It was a beautiful thing. And God connected me to help connect those who were doing the things that I wanted to do, but it was letting, it was being obedient to what God had called us to do. So sometimes you get to be supportive in ways that doesn't even look like you're being supportive but I'm so grateful for being a part of that story, even in that small way. So when I ask you to stand in the places God has called you to, know that I really mean I want you to stay and work. He, in the areas He's called you, it's work. You're going to have to stand. And standing is an action. It's not passive. I'm not asking you to do what's popular. I'm not asking you to do what's easy. I'm asking you to seek the Lord and ask Him where you are to speak and where you are to raise your voice. The reason why I'm clarifying this is because there are times when you want to join in something that's already been started, and it's a great place to get your feet wet. And it might even be where you stay, but don't limit yourself to that. You might even find um, there's a voice inside of you that the Holy Spirit is saying, try this or going this way. And you're thinking, nobody's ever done that. I don't see anybody stepping in that, in that field. And that's, this is your permission to go, okay, hello. That's because he wants you to do it. As I sit here with tears streaming down my face, kind of shocked at how emotional it is for me to even walk through this, this memory with the boys, I think it points to a bigger idea that I want you to grasp. This will require your all, and it will not always go in the direction you want it to go, so don't be surprised. Embrace the multitude of emotions you'll experience and know that God is in those places. God has other things, had some other things planned for us. I see that now, and if I had said yes, or if I'd taken those boys in or fought to get those boys, whatever would have happened, it could have caused some damage and prevented us from doing the things that we were actually supposed to be pursuing. So in that moment, if I'd gone with what my heart longed for, I might have shut down future possibilities of things to come. So just be aware that there are some things that need to be addressed, but that's not what God's calling you to, and it's okay. So back to the whole idea of hearing about an opportunity to make abortional, abortion illegally illegal in my hometown, or it's basically my hometown because I've lived there longer than any other place in my life, I was ecstatic because of the experience that I've told you about beforehand and that I've mentioned some of this 
on some levels in previous episodes. What I did not know or understand that the battle was raging really intently or pretty intently even before I got there. And it was November 2021. This had started back in July 2019. So for over two years, people within the faith community had been approaching the city council and the mayor to approve this ordinance or at least bring it to the city council to vote on the agenda so that to bring it to a vote on the city council agenda so that the voters could have a say if the city council did not want to approve it. I think many were shocked that the city council, remember we have three Christian universities and so many churches, they would not even entertain this idea in a public forum. And they even offered to do things in a not so powerful way. Like they tried to come up with every option, but the option that was being requested of them. I think it was also hard because the composition of the council made everything so confusing and it disillusioned me and I know other people because these men and this man, these men on this council said they believed in God and were willing to stand, but they were willing to stand against abortion or they were willing to stand against abortion, but not willing to do something to make it illegal. And they have their reasons and we can go through that in another episode or maybe in person on to why it makes no sense. And I still am baffled. But let's focus on the reason why I'm telling you this. I was not worried at the mountain before us. God is faithful in all things. And when he said he abhors murder, he meant it. So for us to stop the murder of innocent babies in the room was a big deal. Like they were happening in our community, not just in the ways that people were talking about it. I said I would volunteer in any way, any capacity, or any opportunity tell me what to do. So one of the things I knew I needed to do was actually attend a city council meeting. So in December, I went to the only meeting they had and sat in the audience, kind of overwhelmed at the whole process. I thought that I might stand up and say something, but when I got there, I really realized I just really needed to observe and watch what was going on before I started speaking. My blood boiled a lot during that meeting because... Some of the blatant, dishonest statements made by our mayor and the way they acted so churchy around all these different scenarios at the meeting, but they did not want to play politics with unborn lives. So as usual, what God does is he doesn't let you just start running the show. He wants you to be immersed and understand the big picture. In fact, right before I started going to the meeting, he told me I needed to pray for the city council for 30 days and I had to do it publicly. Actually, I did it publicly so that I could invite others to pray with me because I knew the battle we were up against in our city, even though I really didn't know the battle. (laughs) I just thought I knew. I went down the list and I prayed for each man and woman and the manager and the secretary and the attorney and their families. And I prayed for our city as best as I could requiring me to press into him to dig deep some days to find out what to pray because my heart was not feeling anything. I didn't want to do it in my flesh, but I knew that in obedience and trusting God, I needed to position myself where I could be used by him. And this was part of the journey. It was really hard though, because I knew a lot about these men and women on the council. And I I had to be intentional to not speak to those places that I just, you know, would like them to shift their hearts to the, to stand for life. You know, I could do it in vague ways, but I couldn't just completely call them out on that area because it was about praying for them, not just for what I wanted. But back to the process of reaching out to our community. 
I'd been living in this community for over 20 years, so I felt like I was going to be able to meet the requirements or at least be able to be a big part in helping meet the requirements for the citizen position initiative that we were being forced to do because the city council would not bring it to the agenda for a meeting. We actually had to get 10% of all registered voters as the minimum requirement to get this put on the city council agenda. There are a lot of other hoops we had to jump through, but what we found interesting was this was very unique and uncommon for many cities actually in Texas. It was more common for citizen initiative petitions to require 3% or 10% of the the, uh, last election turnout. So that was kind of a big deal. We're talking the difference between 65,000 registered voters or 6,500 signatures or 3,000 that turned out in the November election, which would mean 300 signatures. We needed the 6,500 signatures minimum to have them put it on their agenda against the council's wishes. Because at any point, they could have put it on the agenda. They just decided they would not. They were going to make us work for it. So we had a limited time in order to get it on the ballot because we wanted it on. We, we wanted, well, we had limited time in order to get it on the May ballot, which was our goal, so we could vote on it. We tried several things, and nothing seemed to really move the needle any which way. I mean, we were regularly getting signatures, but we weren't meeting the threshold we needed in order to maintain the goal we had within the certain limit time limit we had. It was a horrible timing. It was over the Christmas holidays. It was winter. There were a lot of opportunities to be discouraged and think we were, what were we thinking? But we pressed, we pressed in and knew that God would be faithful. So I started reaching out to people and found that because my former church did not, I wasn't former at the time, but my former church didn't support it. I And I knew they didn't support it. I didn't know how to approach people or talk to them. I felt paralyzed because I didn't want to come across as someone who was being divisive when I knew the position that the leadership had. So I was walking a tight rope. If I engaged in conversations or sought out conversations, that might lead me stepping into a mess of a problem because of how things were being perceived based on what I'd seen work in the past and the dynamic of leadership. So that's when the Lord gave me a creative idea just to draw people to me and have them come to me because it was harder to find those who lived within the city limits that could get the the signature on the petition because a lot of people live outside the technical city limits even though they're part of the community. So I probably spent five to six Saturdays standing outside with my sign on the side of the road. In fact, it was so sweet. (laughs) I handmade signs and then someone was so gracious to purchase signs that I had professional signs for me without even asking. It was very precious to my heart because I am an elementary educator by profession and I know how to make it work, but it definitely looked a lot better when they were professionally made. It didn't feel like it was a big ask because of my lifestyle at the time. I was able to have some flexibility on Saturdays to do that and also gave me a great opportunity to have conversations with people about the petition that we were trying to get as many citizens to sign as possible. The one thing I found most interesting was anyone who stopped to give a signature had no idea what I was talking about. They were all like, well, of course we want to stop abortion. What do I need to do? And then they were like, there were some that were um, really frustrated that they hadn't heard anything about it. More often than not, people did not know about this attempt to make abortion illegal in our town for several reasons, but It was not being talked about because of the lack of support by some very prominent churches. So here's the point of me telling you all this. I spent a good eight weeks trying to get as many signatures as I could in a city that I knew was staunchly pro-life. 
but I had such a hard time finding anyone. It was emotionally, mentally, and spiritually just excruciating to know that these people who you thought stood in solidarity with you were nowhere to be found. So when people would ask why their church was not making a big deal about it, I would say, talk to your leadership. Talking to people about why things aren't the way you thought they should be is the best way to eliminate confusion, misunderstanding, and it really helps strengthen relationships. Plus, in one of the biggest churches I knew that wasn't supporting it, it would be the approach I knew they would want to happen rather than just talking about it without addressing them specifically. So that was the the outlet the Lord gave me. It was an opportunity that fell in my lap, and I took hold of it, and people were so proud of me. But I really struggled with that because I felt like I failed in so many ways, and I didn't achieve the things that I thought it would be that would bring the greatest glory to God. You know, I struggled because here were these people that I'd lived with and served with so faithfully who were willing to stand down and not stop one child from being aborted in our city limits. I knew they had their reasons. I'm not going to necessarily go into that because, you know, I don't want to, it's not what the purpose of this podcast is to point those things out, just the process of actually standing. But what I discovered in this was that no, every, not every person wants to stand. I remember saying, Lord, just give me a handful of people that will help me find a handful of people that will help me find a handful of people. He shut it down. It was like the Lord was telling me that this was their wake-up call. I didn't want to be a part of that message. I wanted to be a part of the celebration and the victory of doing something for the first time in my life that actually made a difference in my community. We had the red magnets on our cars. We promoted the Pregnancy Resource Center, all these things. And I couldn't find anyone who actually wanted to take a stand because of fear of being rejected. Now, let me clarify here. That wasn't complete. I mean, there were people who were willing to stand, but in a town of over 100,000, the amount that did paled in comparison to those who did not. Mind you, it became a game for me to count how many times people flipped me off while I was staying on the side of the road, just holding a sign that says, protect the unborn in our city. I got to see some of that vitriolic response that we saw when Roe was overturned at the Supreme Court. I just saw it from people I couldn't believe because of what a quaint little town city we lived in. My highlights, though, were the amount of people I talked to and said, did you know what's going on? And they said, no, but thank you for telling me. Like they had no idea that the city council was being so oppositional to this idea. The other highlight was getting to meet precious people who were so broken of the loss of unborn lives in our cities through personal stories or just passion for fighting for the unborn that they couldn't find ways they couldn't do enough to get this thing passed another highlight was grieving with people when they would talk to those in charge and the response would be deceptive dishonest and pretty below the belt even though that doesn't sound like a highlight I'm just glad I had the opportunity to help process some things with some people to help encourage us to know that we're not crazy. These things are happening and we can fight to prove that there is something worth fighting for here. I changed locations a couple times because I was trying to reach different parts of the community and I was so glad I did. You know, God is in this. God is in our standing. He wants to speak his heart, his truth to his people. And when we take a stand, it confronts the ugliness of sin in our lives.
Some people don't respond well to that, but you go in knowing, if you go in knowing your why and understanding that we're standing up for truth and the author and creator of truth, then we speak differently to people. For example, I was standing out at the church one Sunday afternoon and a young lady stopped by. She didn't get out of her car, so I walked over to see her and she said, I don't want to sign your petition. I'm against what you're doing. Tell me what you're going to do about this exception and this exception. So as we kind of talked back and forth, I was reminded that this was a child of God and I had the opportunity to speak life into her and trying my best to be respectful and honoring and everything that I said. And as she was talking, the Lord highlighted her compassion for people. So I spoke to that. I said, you know, we may not agree on this, but I loved and but I love that I see your heart of compassion for people and I know God's going to use it in a powerful way in your life. She really didn't know what to think about me. (laughs) So she just went on her way and I never have to see her again. Another time I was videotaped by some teenage kids and about halfway through this confrontation, they were just goading me and um, I was standing my ground. I think somewhat good. I never saw myself on TikTok. So there's that. But about halfway through this confrontation, I realized I knew one of the girls And I got to choose whether or not I was going to let their parents know what they were doing in their free time and thought better of it because um, I think it was more of teenage immaturity than anything like that. But lots of fun experiences for sure that gave me an opportunity to stand firmly in what I believed was true. And when I didn't, my knees shook, but I didn't back down. I felt like it was a victory in the end. But I know what the enemy wanted for both of those experiences, whether it was the girl in the car or the kids videotaping me. They wanted their identity and their worth to be destroyed. And I destroyed his plan because I spoke God's truth. And that's what we get to do when we take a stand. All the facts, all the good we do, it's all for naught if we don't care about the people who are crossing our paths as we do it. If we don't see that God is bringing people to us to speak his heart for them and to them, then we miss the greatest purpose of this. Yes, it's awesome if we take a stand and get people involved and engaged. That's awesome. But these are individuals, many who are hurting and have been lied to for years that feel hopeless and broken and need someone to say, here's a place to stand. There is hope. I hope this encourages you and inspires you to know that there are so many good stories that you'll get to experience along the way as you choose to say yes to God. I hope that you know that even in the midst of the difficulties and struggles that you will be so blessed by being obedient to what God has called you to, that you will find yourself finding ways so that you can keep taking a stand. You're not going to end this. It's not going to be over. I hope that you hear that when you, that you could be a forerunner to waking others up, but you have to be awake yourself. I recently read a book that someone had said was just so amazing and they loved it. And I knew that I probably would disagree about everything that it represented. I knew that it would have all these feel-good parts to it that would make you go, oh, yeah, but the substance would be lacking, and I was right. So it made me start chewing over the fact, how do we wake people up? I'm in the process of trying to figure out what I can do in the place God has me to begin to stir and stoke fires with people around me. And so many are trying to say, just go to sleep. Just go to sleep. You just stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. I don't have a large platform. I don't have a bunch of people clamoring to hear what I have to say. So I know it's going to be God-ordained as I go through my day. It has been, there has been many along the way who said, keep speaking out, it matters. What you say matters. And I know that God has put me in this place. But you look at all my social media accounts, you won't see that everyone is just like, this is awesome, keep speaking truth. Honestly, because it's it, the dynamics of my life where I actually take a lot more stands on social media just because of several things. But... 
I really like to have the ones behind the conversations that have also been very uh, enlightening for sure. But don't be fooled. There's so much that goes on that you don't see, especially when you start to sand that many people won't know about, but you know your why. And so that's why you can keep doing it. So I have several ideas going through my brain of things I want to try because remember, I'm going through this with you. I'm trying to stand even more than I've stood before. And usually they go through a several processes before I realize those aren't going to work, but I'm never afraid to not give it a go. If the Lord put it on my heart, I'll try it and see if I can rally some troops around me and see if it's a viable possibility. One of the ways I know that it's not meant to be is it just falls flat. <laughs> Don't be discouraged. That's okay. We're just seeking and you're going to find it. And if you, if you think you're going to pick the winning idea or the winning position or the winning path the first time, every time, then you'll never succeed. Because we are going to try things and realize, okay, that didn't work. But now let me see what didn't work. Well, that part did, but this part didn't. So that's where I need to figure out how to reconfigure that to reach people. I think a great place is just becoming a voter registrar deputy. Now you hear me out. That sounds so crazy and really official, but you can go to training. There's training once a month, typically at a, at the voter registrar's office, and you can become trained to register people to vote. It costs you nothing, maybe like an hour of your time. It allows you to begin getting people to register to vote, which is huge because our problem in my hometown is people don't vote. In November's election, in March's primary, and in May's local election, we had less people turn out to vote combined than we were able to get on our city initi- citizen and initiative petition. Now, they didn't get, get, keep all those signatures, but we collected between twelve and 15,000 signatures, depending on whose report you got, and they threw out some of them. But that doesn't mean we didn't collect the signatures from people. It just, they weren't valid. And there was less, I would say less than um, 10,000 easily, if not maybe 9,000 that voted in three elections out of 100,000 people, over 100, almost 120,000 people, or maybe 100,000 people, or I guess there's 75,000 registered voters. There we go. We had 10%, less than 10% show up over a period of three elections. So what I'm saying is registration matters. Get your people elect, get your people registered in your neighborhood, you know, because you have the relationship with them. Or I used to carry my little blue notebook around so that when I was out and about, I could say, hey, have you been registered to vote? And it's a great conversation starter for sure, because it's a neutral question. Everybody, everybody wants to be registered to vote if they're a participating member of our society. I think it's also something that Every one of you who are listening can do, and it doesn't, you don't have to go out of your way to do it, but you are available also to do it if you see an opportunity to take advantage of it. There's so many people who aren't registered to vote or don't know what's going on, so asking them about voter registration is a great segue into asking some pretty safe and neutral questions. Even by having that question on your forefront as you're walking around your day and doing things is a great way to shift your mindset. We have to be awake to know that every opportunity we have can be utilized for things God has called us to. It's not just going to the grocery store. It's about getting your groceries while looking around to see who God who God would have cross your path so that you can speak life to them and to be encouraging to them to stand wherever it is. But the key is you have to be awake and you have to be ready to engage when the opportunity comes. I remember I carried my little blue notebook. Yeah, I told you that <laughs> about, um, sometimes I repeat myself. Sorry about that. 
Um, so back to that book that I mentioned that was kind of, I feel like it was like just petting people saying, just stay where you're at, stay where you're at. Don't ruffle feathers because that's not what the church is called to do. Don't, don't stand out, stay in your private sphere. They don't, there's a large part of the church that doesn't want to do politics and they'll tell you to stay out because we're not in it to win it. We're not in it for good. Doing that means you're opposed to the good, you know, and the glory of God. So the only problem with that is our founding fathers would roll in their graves if they heard these things spoken out like they're being done now. Like to not celebrate the victory that happened because Roe being overturned gave power back, which is unheard of. Forget about what it gave back. It gave back power. It took power away from us for 49 years and it gave it back. That's an amazing thing that our government was set up to do. We should be celebrating that first and foremost. And then, of course, the fact that it was a a blow to the abortion, the right to abortion, because that was never a right. All right. So, you see, there was this time um, where we had this postmodernism. It came in and it said that you do your private things in your private world and your public thing is public. So items that belong in your private area are your feelings, your emotions, like religion. Don't bring those out in the public. You just keep that to yourself. And things in the public are like science and data and facts. So do you see how religion has become personal and private and shouldn't be shared with others, which is the antithesis to how our country was founded. It doesn't make any sense. It goes against the Bible first and foremost. So now this happened along the lines of where our country was founded, but it wasn't a moving force. And what our founders did, it it didn't have any effect in what our founders did to create our country. They were not postmodernists for sure. And that may show my ignorance because I can't remember exactly where postmodernism began to take off officially. So as I was refuting some things in my mind over this book, which is what I do. I don't always share my refutations. I just go through and go, well, how would I answer this question? And how would I respond to this? And what would they say? And then how would I respond? Um, and honestly, I was trying to think how to encourage you to wake up because I feel like this is why the church is asleep. They're getting a mixed message. Stay in your private world. Don't speak out. Okay. It got me thinking. I realized that for so long being political meant like it was an understood that in up to a certain time frame, and I don't know where this shifted. Maybe it was around slavery even, but it's like, don't be political. But being political means you're being a good citizen. And I don't know of anyone who'd say, don't be a good citizen. Somewhere along the lines, the enemy has now changed the conversation where we're not political, we're just spiritual. And our country was founded on people being both. Being good citizens means you are politically astute and spiritually influential. I don't know about you, but I'm a believer 100% all the time. I think I talked a little about this last time on the Roman 13 topic, but I, but ever since then, I had this revelation that what our founder fathers defined as being a good citizen was someone who implemented their faith in the public sphere. So part of what we're trying to, to, to say now is to show others that you can be a believer all the time. Our religion, it makes a difference, and we're supposed to share it, and we're supposed to live it out, and we're supposed to use it as a beacon of hope in all the spheres we're a part of. So when the mayor told me that he didn't believe abortion was a political issue, that it needed to be left to the private, 
you know the Spirit of God was strong and active within me for me not to be disrespectful and call him out on that blatant lie. The time and the circumstances was not a place for me to stand. And that's also an important thing you need to learn over time. Just, just because you can't stand doesn't mean you should in all capacity all the time. There is a finesse to learning when it makes an impact and when it's detrimental. And trust me, I've done both. So don't worry. It's part of the process. But our mayor has decided that his job is to only take care of water and sewage for his citizens not to make sure they have a right to live. And there's a whole lot more going on with that. So I'll just leave that there for now. So remember, when people say, hey, I don't want, I don't believe you're supposed to be political, say, hey, I'm just being a good citizen. What believer would not want to be a good citizen? Would that be a mic drop? So I just wanted to read to you a couple quotes from our founding fathers. Some of them you may not know. This is all taken from a book called The Original Tent by David Barton. I wanted you to be able to hear from the mouth of those who created our governmental documents, what their intent was, not that the Supreme Court says not what the politicians have decided they've interpreted over the years, not looking at original words or whatever it is. Let's look at what they actually said. So here's a quote from David Barton, who authored the book. This book is heavy. I'm not going to lie, meaning it's dense. But if you look into it, you will find that there are so many quotations cited from our founding fathers that that you just can't take any more in. But it's really good to see how much our country was bathed in prayer, founded in the principles of the Bible, and created to perpetuate said principles and lifestyles. David Barton says, How does a personal vocation of sound government help build a strong family? If government is constituted of poor leaders, it will become an enemy to the values, beliefs, and practices necessary to the formation of stable families. In fact, every cursory examination of America's family problems over recent decades reveals at all too frequently governmental policies and programs uh, create the root of these problems. For sake of our families, Christian citizens must be involved in their civil government. Another quotation he says, or another quote, Christians must again become active in civic arena and move beyond their self-imposed boundaries of church and home. He says, it's time to remember the warning given by Charles Finney, a minister and leader in America's Second Great Awakening, who are mighty Christians? The church mistake mistook, uh, the church needs to retake the right ground in regards to politics. The time has come that Christians must vote for honest men and take constant, consistent ground in politics. God cannot sustain these free and blessed country, which we love and pray for, unless the church will take the right ground. Politics are a part of religion in such a country as this, in such a country as this, and Christians must do their duty to the country as part of their duty to God. God he, God, will bless or curse nations according to the course they Christians take in politics. He also says the warnings were numerous and clear. If citizens become neg- negligent and electing mor- moral leaders to office, if they overlook the private lives, their government would become corrupt. Now, here's two quotes from John Adams when he was president. He said, we have no government armed with a power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Our constitution was made for a moral and religious people. (laughs) It is wholly inadequate to be the government of any other. John Adams said, It is religion and morality alone which can establish the principles upon which freedom can securely stand. Religion and virtue are the only foundations of republicanism and of all free governments. Benjamin Franklin said, Only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become corrupt and vicious, they have more needs of masters. Patrick Henry said, righteousness alone can exalt them. America as a nation, 
Whoever thou art, remember this. And in the sphere, practice virtue thyself and encourage it to others. The great pillars of all government, of all social life. I mean virtue, morality, and religion. This is the armor, my friend, and this alone that renders us invisible, invincible. Almost done. John McHenry, signer of the Constitution and Secretary of War, said, The Holy Scriptures, the Holy Scriptures, oh, I wrote the wrong word there. Let me see what it says. Sorry. The Holy Scriptures, yeah, I hate it when I do that, right? Yeah, here we go. The Holy Scriptures, oh, I wrote it here. (laughs) Real live time here. Okay. The Holy Scriptures can alone secure to society order and peace and to our courts of justice and constitutions of government, purity, stability, and usefulness. In vain, without the Bible, we increase penal laws and draw entrenchments, defenses around our institutions. Bibles are strong entrenchments, protections. Where they abound, men cannot pursue wicked courses. James McHenry. Yeah. So the last one, I love this one. This is from George Washington. He said, reason and experience, both, both of us to uh, reason and experience, both give us the expect, uh, so sorry. (laughs) I typed that one down wrong too. Okay, here we go. George Washington said, um, it's hard. There's so many good quotes, but most people you don't know. So I really tried to find ones that were relevant to people you would know. Reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in the exclusion of religious principle. Purity of morals is the only sure foundation of public happiness in any country. The federal government can never be in danger of degenerating so long as there shall remain any virtue in the body of people. True religion affords to government, it's sure as support. Religion and morality are the essential pillars of a civil society. I thought that was very encouraging um, to hear what their faith meant for our nation. I'm a history nerd, and I love hearing words directly out of the mouth of those who created our founding documents and established the way our government would function and succeed as it had for over 250 years. So if you want more of those, check out that book. It's really great, and it helps awaken you to what God has placed in our hearts and why we're so uncomfortable and don't feel like we fit because the world has said, fit in this box, keep your stuff private, where God has said, I'm in all things. I am all things. So after listening to this podcast, my prayer is that you're more awake and realizing you've probably been asleep in some ways due to no fault of your own. No one told you to stand up and make a difference by using your individual voice. Many times people said, give to this or contribute here, volunteer here, or check out this podcast. But honestly, you've never been invited to stand up and be the light of the world where God has placed you. Now, I'm sure someone has said that in a message, but individually, I'm inviting you And this should be your invitation to stand up personally and start speaking. You're going to mess up. You're going to do it wrong. But know that each time you'll pick yourself up, learn from your mistakes, and find successes in a way you never thought possible. The best part is is when you begin to wake up and see the world for what it is. You can't help but when, when you wake up others around you, or when you wake up, I guess I should say, And see the world for what it is and the hope that you carry. You can't help but be infectious and cause others to wake up as well. I can't do it all on my own and neither can you. But together we can awaken our cities and our states and our country. Blessings until next time.